Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. Uh, this man in the studio right now didn't know that he was being recorded, didn't know that he was going to be on the podcast today, but I had to grab a hold of him, sit him down, put him in the chair, because this man is probably one of the wisest men. Uh, he's in my men's group, and I just got a chance to be able to speak life into him. Uh, what I was saying is, is not only his strength, his, his power in what he does, um, but also in his vulnerability in who he is makes him the star that he is. Um, if, if you're on and you're watching right now on YouTube, you know this face. He's the weapons expert on Pawn Stars, been recorded on over 50 episodes of one of my favorite shows in the world, Pawn Stars, um, but also he's a historian. This man is, I mean, I tell you, he's a jack of all trades, but he's very humble about it. Um, the first time that we met, he didn't tell me about those things. He was just asking me questions about who I was. That's why I wanted to have him on the show, and I just think he's doing uh, some incredible things. So please welcome Mr. Craig Gottlieb to the show. I'm so excited and surprised to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell you something. You said that to me this morning, and my instant reaction was there's power and there's vulnerability, and that rarely comes hand in hand, but it's it's because it's not my power. It's God's power. I'll be vulnerable because I really realize as a human being who I really am, which it ain't much. (laughs) especially when you compare me to like God or a lot of other people who I respect. So it's like the power you see, it's God's power. Uh, The vulnerability comes from me being honest with who I am as a human being. Well, where did the vulnerability come from? Because it's like, you'll, you'll talk to us about, you'll be like, Hey, I'm, I'm angry. And you know, in our, in our uh, men's group, and I don't let a lot of people into our men's group as far as, you know, telling the details of it. It's our time. And it's, I tell you, it is, uh, am I correct on this, Greg, Craig? It is one of the coolest men's groups. I'm super bummed if Tuesday comes around and everybody's busy and we don't have it. I mean, literally I'm like, what am I going to do now? (laughs) What am I going to do now? Why are men's groups so important? And, And for the guys out there that are listening that aren't in a men's group, get in one. Create one. But, Craig, why is it so important to be in a men's group? A couple reasons. Number one is that, you know, Proverbs, I think it's chapter 24, some verse says that, you know, uh, a bunch of counselors, and I'm really paraphrasing here, uh, plans thrive with many counselors. Uh, And, again, not an exact quote, but that's so important because uh, very rarely in this world are we cultivated to have friendships where we can be vulnerable, you know. And in a small group that's covered by the Lord, uh, that's just – that's, that's the first thing. Second thing is the, the different kind of people. I mean, you know, we've got like Chandler. He's 27 years old, and he's so wise, you know? And you've got, uh, you know, there's just a different, pe- different people with different life experiences, and it just so happens that what they've got to say on a weekly basis fits into exactly what I need and what the Lord wants me to hear. So it's just like a magic moment. And I'll tell you, when more than three people, two or three people are gathered, there's a protection, okay? There's like a cloud. Because I, you know, there's Satan's out there. He's real. And that cloud is protecting us. And just so much magic happens. So, so. I, this is the thing. I, I think a lot of times when you speak about God or you speak about the Lord, people get the woo-woo stuff. And almost a lot of times they'll shut off because they're like, well, if I, because some of the things that they've heard, like if I choose God, then I, I can't be successful in my business because I just got to be poor and I got to be broke and I just got to be off the side. You have showed me a whole different side of life because, I mean, in the secular side or just in the world's eyes, you're a super crazy successful guy. Um, you're in the limelight. You have been in the limelight for a long time and you still are able to put God first. Um, this was a big thing for me because I think a lot of times people think you have to choose either or how have you been able to bridge the gap between the two? Well, it's not like I'm putting God first. God is first. 
Okay. And that's like the foundation. <laughs> I said, I'm not putting him anywhere. God's where he's going to be. Right. And it's like, here's the thing. When I started, I, I did not set out to be a TV personality. It's the last thing I was thinking. And I sort of accidentally found my way on, on, you know, world television. And a couple of weird things happened. Like after my like second episode, I'm in Finland of all places in the middle of the country. And I'm holding the door open for this delivery guy. And he just goes, he looks at me. This is my first, the first, and I didn't even watch Pawn Stars. It's the first time I go, wait a minute, I'm like on something where people know me. The guy stares at me, goes, you are from the Bond Stars. And I'm like, how did you know that, you know? And so I, was, I came face to face that I had an opportunity. And again, God's first in my life. Uh, I don't put him first. Uh, a lot, in fact, you know what? A lot of times they put him second or last, and then I pay the price, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I realized that when people stopped me, for example, I had a chance to be uh, humble to them, and to invest a tiny moment in their lives, like, hey, I've seen you on Pond Stars, it's great, can I get a photo? Whatever I'm doing, I'll stop and say, it would be my honor. Here, let me take it, you know? And so it's just a quick, it's a quick stop, and it's a way to, uh, to, to, like, to touch in with people that you'd never touch in with. So that's a long way of getting around to the short answer, which is that God is first in my life. Um, and because of that, uh, I get the chance to be humble and authentic and to touch, touch base with people that I never would get the chance to do. So one of the things one life. of the things that stood out to me, uh, Craig, was uh, it was the first time that you came to men's group, right? And you pulled me aside. Actually, it was the first time, and you, you left and you said thank you so much, and then you came back to men's group on Tuesdays. Mm. If you're in Carlsbad or you're in the area, Tuesdays seven thirty transformational time. It's amazing. Everyone's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Um, but on the second uh, time that you came, you gave me one of those sideways compliments. And I don't know if anybody out there listening, uh, Wayne Freeman, you know, you, uh, you're listening. I want to thank you for, uh, so much for riding with us forever and ever and ever. Tony Torres, too. Um, but I get sideways compliments all the time. Like, oh, I love that for you. I would never wear it, but you. And Craig gave me this sideways compliment. He wait, was wait, like, wait. How's about this one? You must be very proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you gave me a sideways compliment. You were like, hey, I wasn't coming back today. Mm-hmm. I was coming to tell you that I'm not coming. I remember that. Can you tell us about that story? And- it's literally, I, I repeat it so often, <laughs> Kelly. So I was in another small group, and I've been in one for, it's about the same one for 10 years. Um, and it's on a Wednesday morning. And so our friend Adrian, uh, fellow Marine, invited me to come to this small group. And I really, okay, Adrian's, he invited me to a birth, he invited me to go airsoft, no, he invited me to go paintballing with his son and my son. I show up, and he goes, do you have room for the piñata? I'm like, what piñata? He goes, oh, this is a birthday party. There's 22 kids coming. I'm like, well, that's great. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> yes, it's the same thing. He invites me to this small group, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can come to your small group for the day. Well, what he didn't tell me was this is basically like the first meeting of the small group, and it's a new one. And sort of like the idea was everybody who's there is going to stay there. And I'm like, oh, do I have Tuesday mornings? I don't think I do. And, you know, I talked to my wife about it, and she's like, you know, Craig, I'll support you in what you're going to do, but just keep in mind, you, now you're committing a Tuesday and a Wednesday morning. Uh, make sure that that's what God wants you to do. And I'm like, okay, so I did a whole plan about how I was going to tell Kelly <laughs> that thank you very much for the opportunity. I know I was here the first week, and now the second week has nothing to do with you or anybody else, okay? It's just it doesn't fit with my schedule. I'm really honored that you asked me here. I'm sure it's going to be a great small group. And so... I had this whole plan, and I thought it out, and there's a whole, like, past track of thoughts leading to what I was going to say, and then sitting halfway through it, I heard this thing, it's not actually a voice, Craig, you're staying, 
I'm like, okay, you know, and, and, and in my mind, and there was no pr prior thought to it. It was just like, Craig, you're staying. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay. And the reason I knew it was from God is because I had no plans to say this. I didn't think it through. There was a, not a big, like, line of thoughts behind it. And so afterward, I come up to Kelly. Kelly, you got a minute? And he's like, yeah. And I go, so Kelly, um, I was about to make up of this. No, I was about to tell you the <laughs> truth about why I'm not coming back. But just so you know, um, while I was here, uh, God spoke to me. I'm staying. I'm taking a hiatus from my other small group. <laughs> and he's like, great, great. <laughs> but so, it's just, but you know, that's just like, you talk about putting God first. And again, I don't always do that. You know, a lot of times, and that's when I fail miserably in life, when I'm not putting God first. I'm not allowing, and it, I said this earlier, I'm not putting God first. God is first. But he, he's a gentleman, as a friend of mine says. He'll allow me to turn my back on him. And then he sort of, like, allows me to experience what happens when, you know, he's, he's not first. And when I am thinking and praying and I'm in the word, things like that will happen, and they happen regularly. And so for that, I'm thankful. So talk to us, too, because, I mean, uh, being a Marine, thank you for your service, um, being in the Marine Corps, being as, I mean, this is one of the most structured guys I've ever met in my life. Like, in the event, if you if you meet, get to meet Craig, which you will if you're around me, as a good friend of mine, um, super structured, I mean, amazing at, ex, uh, like, execution. God doesn't ever execute in a, in a uh, straight line. Talk to us about that and how you've had to adapt in your life because when you have the type of personality that you do, a lot of times we could get into the methods as opposed to the magic that God brings. Well, you talk about the execution and what you just perceived as me. That is, what did you call it? That's the, that's, that is my adaptation because guess what? That's not really who I am. I'm the most disorganized, uh, like, you know, like, oh, squirrel, you know, <laughs> uh, person you'll ever meet. My, when my wife uh, first met me, she says, you know, when you look at Craig, he looks like he's got it all together. He's like, his pants are creased perfectly. You could like, she said, you could cut a cantaloupe on his pants. I'm like, I've never heard that before. But <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever said that. But yeah, but she goes, once you get to know him, you, you know, you look behind him, and there's like a trail of his stuff. It's just like, you know, literally, one of my, uh, my stepkids says, you know, if you just follow Craig, you're going to pick up money because he just drops it out of his pocket. So all that being said, I have to have that system. I ha and yet, I'm about to say why I don't. But what you see is me, like, not on my best behavior, but me when I've got my crap together. But, um, you know, I'm here to tell you that, well, in the Marine Corps, they say no plan survives first contact, which means you can have all the plans in the world, be as organized as you want, and then 3 o'clock in the afternoon is going to come around, you know, uh, your wife's got a headache, you're tired, and you sit on the couch all day and you, you, know, you watch a whole season of 30 Rock. And that's okay, you know, <laughs> but um, I guess, like, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, talk, See, that's exactly well, it. it's like this. Like, talk to us about the difference between your plans and God's plans. Like, you didn't oh, yeah. set out, when you were a kid, it wasn't like you said, hey, I'm going to be on Pawn Stars and be the weapons expert on Pawn Stars. Ta take us through that and how these things happen because what I want the listeners to understand, mm -hmm. and I want to, number one, I, I want to tell you all how much I appreciate you. Helping us to get in the top 1% globally, guys, has been phenomenal. I mean, it has been, and it's been all because of you guys listening. The Tony Torres is the Wayne, uh, the Wayne Freemans of the world. Um, every single person out there that's been riding with us from the beginning. But help us to understand because there's always our plan 
right? And Mike Tyson said it best. He said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And then who they are comes out. That's what I said. No plan survives first contact. Yes. And what that means is no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Okay, and the enemy can be many things in our lives. It can be overscheduling. Uh, it can be people who really don't like you. It can be a lot of things. I mean, fill in the blank. We've all got our enemies. And uh, we wake up in the morning with the best of intentions. And by the end of the day, you're like, wait, what happened? You know, this day is over. and This is not how I planned it to go. <laughs> and you're right. God doesn't, well, we know God doesn't think, and I didn't even know what that means, linearly. Uh, but we live life linearly. And uh, you said earlier that systems are important, but they're not the important thing, you know? Um, and I think realizing that you are not a big deal and that it's not all about you. That, I think that's it. It's not all about you. Uh, if you can think of everything in your life that way, uh, it has an impact. I think you know? one of the things that inspires me about you, well, there's so many different things, Craig, but one of the things is that you found something that you were really passionate about that honestly – like me growing up, if you would have said like you could have a career oh, in, as a weapons expert, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, I would have told you, yeah, what are you talking about? Well, like it's, a it's, weapons it, it, expert. It's like in college, you don't go to the college fair and they're like weapons expert. Oh, I'll do that. No, they don't have that. You know? Well, it's, it's like, I'm going to quote Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh says, do what you like and success will follow. Mm. And success may not mean tons of money. Success might not mean tons of fame. Okay. But success will follow. And that's a biblical principle. And I think um, that's the way I accept. I did that. It's like I was passionate about my contact with history and telling stories. Uh, one of my greatest passions is connecting people who don't normally think about history with history because history is super important uh, for lots of reasons I can go into. And if I can do that, and I can do it uh, with, with, with artifacts. And so when I connect someone with an artifact that attaches them and makes them experience a person, a place, a thing in history – um, that really lights me up. And so that's what I did. And that's what I did for a living after I got out of the Marine Corps. I bought and sold artifacts. And so uh, that was my pursuit, uh, connecting people. Yeah, there, you know, I needed to feed my family and make money, but there was lots of ways to do that. And believe me, um, it's, not like a, 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 it's not like a pathway to vast untold riches to do what I do. Um, so, but so tell us about the first one, because oh, you said one. I, I, I started buying yeah. and selling artifacts. Well, I'm, a, I'm yeah. just thinking of you going to a garage sale and finding like a shotgun think, and then selling it. Think but of, think of me. Okay. But think of me as a nine year old. Okay. It's literally that early. My dad was a world war two veteran and he gave me a bayonet, a rusty bayonet worth literally nothing that he brought back from world war two. And now granted, this is like like the 70s so this is an appropriate gift for a kid nowadays maybe not so much but <laughs> you can't give it yeah. is, that, is that the number one gift yeah, is that sure. the number one gift uh, yeah and like uh and it, i can tell you other stories that would be completely inappropriate today but um that was that lit me up because and i and, and i actually got into history and everybody around me growing up in miami florida which is where mm -hmm. i grew up was a world war ii veteran you'd throw a stone you hit a world war ii veteran and so this stuff was readily available for next to nothing uh, and there was really no known value for this, this stuff. And, uh, but uh, eventually there came out, and so I was collecting stuff from a nine-year-old, you know. Um, I got, like, different things from different neighbors. Uh, one, of, one of my neighbors gave me his purple heart, for crying out loud. I mean, he he no gave kidding. you yeah. a purple heart? Gave me a purple heart. Uh, 
and, and it okay, was, what? So, Sidebar here. Medals? Give no, but give me the context. Is he like, uh, you know, are you guys playing football? And he reaches in his pocket and is like, "You caught the ball. Let me hand you this purple heart." Well, How does he okay. give you the purple heart? Being passionate about history is like a disease. And this guy was a World War II veteran. He was a, I think, a, a, a tail gunner uh, and a B seventeen or in the Marine Corps. I'm not sure what uh, air platform it was, but. He was like my hero, and I would literally go over and sit in his den while he got drunk every afternoon, and he would, like, he w- I would just be with him because his den had so many cool things in it, and he had, like, some medals lined up, and a little correction, it wasn't his Purple Heart, although he had one, it was his dad's Purple Heart. What? And it had his dad's name on the back, okay? And he just gave it to you. Gave it to me. Bill, uh, no, that's not Bill Lyons, it's uh, Howard Jenks, I'll, n- I'll never forget him. Another thing, you know, Bill Lyons, another one of my neighbors, had a, had a German dagger, you know, and he knew I had my dad's bayonet, and he never gave it to me, but I was allowed to, like, go over and play with it, which is cool, you know? <laughs> how, how old are you? Oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's this drunk dude who gives you a Purple Heart and has you play with knives yeah, yeah. At, at the side. Please don't, if you're a parent out there, this is yeah. not the way you raise your don't children. Don't do this at home. So Craig, Craig has a book, too, that's uh, How to Parent Your Children. I'm just joking with yeah. you. Um, so that that's um, that's incredible. That's, yeah, but, like, he, you know, he didn't give it to me, uh, and... Funny enough, there's a connection. He also was an alcoholic. But, uh, <laughs> but when he passed away, um, his daughter knew that I had loved this thing. Okay. And, and she said, I'm, you know, I'm sure uh, Bill and my dad would like you to have this and gave it to me. And by then I was a collector. Okay, and so fast for a little bit. I'm buying and selling things that I have acquired just so that I can afford to buy other things that are for sale that I don't have money for. And so buying and selling was a, was a, was a, was a thing I did ever since a kid. And, you know, junior high, high school, college, even Marine Corps. And so fast forward, after I got off active duty, I said, well, I need an actual job. And I'm already making money doing this enough. I already have a reputation. I already have knowledge. So this is what I'm going to do. I mean, my degree was in philosophy. So I uh, literally, there's no jobs for philosophers, which is part of the reason I joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> and then, you know, obviously, uh, you know, military antique dealer. Uh, oh, and the other thing, too, my dad had a business partner uh, who was a gun collector. And, again, this was safe. Don't try this at home. But he would lock me into the gun room at his office, and I could would put white gloves on and play with guns. And, and, and I would come out. <laughs> And again, there's no ammunition. <laughs> it's safe. And, and these are all antiques, by of the course, way. Of course, of course. And he, I would come in, Mr. Redford, what is this? You know, and he would stop and answer every one of my questions. Wow. Uh, he was not drinking, but he did do a lot of napping on the couch. <laughs> you know? and, so, uh, I, I, and so I just naturally picked stuff up. And so you know, I wanted to do what I loved. And it was fun. And I also then, and I didn't know at the time that by doing this, I would be connecting people to history. Yeah. For, for reasons that, again, I find important. Um, but it ended up being that thing which kept me going. Because, you know, you can't get up in the morning and do something you hate and not pay a price. Wow. And had I picked something that I hated, I wouldn't be doing this still. I'd be doing something else. So, Craig, tell me, this is the controversial thing. And you actually, you, you, you had told me about this uh, a while back. And you were like... I want you to ask me this question. So I'm going to ask you this question. Why am I so handsome? 
Yes, that's the fir- that was the first I, one. I said I'm a what, model. I'm a before model. Why are you so handsome? And and why did you hang out with dudes who were drinking who gave you <laughs> knives and guns <laughs> when you were a child? Yeah, a child. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> why, why did you have a guy lock you in a room with a bunch of guns? Um, I'm just joking with you. Yeah. Um, but on the website, like right when people get on the website, they're going to see certain things. And sometimes when a person sees a thing, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Um, and a lot of times a person can see that and say, oh, wow. And then they have question or they have a preconceived notion on it. But knowing who you are, I want to bridge this. You know exactly what I'm talking of about. Course. So can you talk to us about this and make sure that you're as close to that mic as possible? Because Hello. everyone loves, like you have, the, the stories that you have are so rich mm-hmm. and, and amazing. But let's, let's, let's hit that one right on because, and then we're going to go into a couple yeah, of it's, it's the elephant in the room. And like, what I mean is when you Google my name, Hitler comes up. I mean, you know, who, who, who has that as like an aspiration in, in life, right? <laughs> no and, one. And, well, and the reason is, is because, you know, I told you I was connected with World War II veterans and World War II veterans brought back a lot of Nazi stuff. And, you know, what's cooler when you're a kid than like an old Nazi helmet, you know, and you don't really get it as a kid that, well, a swastika is like, it's offensive, you know, and, and, and if you've got a swastika at home or you're selling things with swastikas on them, and I do a lot of that, you have to talk about it. You have to be prepared to give an answer when people ask you, why are you doing this? You're like profiting off of evil. But no. For me, the years like 19, I'll call it World War I to World War II, in Germany in particular, um, you see the very best and the very worst of human nature. And as a Christian, uh, how humans walk this world is of, of intense interest to me. And what I mean about the best and the worst, uh, you, you see, well, you know what the worst is, but you see the best. You see heroism. Uh, you know, you see, um, well, you guys know. I don't have to say it. And for me, uh, connecting myself or others to this period exposes them to the same question that I often ask myself, and this comes back to the Nazis. How could, you know, Germans, who were pretty civilized people, okay, be made to do very bad things, some of the worst things in history that we have access to, before they were really individually very bad people. In other words, it was like a sliding slope, okay? These butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers, these young people did not grow up to join the Nazi party and work in a concentration camp and kill people, okay? To shoot people, mothers and kids in a forest. They, it's just beyond my ability to comprehend, Okay, so uh, that is of intense interest to me, and it's not because of the, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the dark part, but it is the dark part. It's like you look at that and you go, how can this happen? And it brings you face to face with humanity and its failures and really what it means to be human because, you know, that's just a very emotionally charged moment, those periods, and we need to look at them uh, because people say human, human beings change and evolve, and I'm here to tell you they do don't. We're the same people that we were in 1930. And, you know, there's a thing, C.S. Lewis said this, we, we don't burn, we, we don't not burn witches because burning people is wrong. We don't not burn witches because we don't believe in witches. It's the same thing, you know? Uh, and so that's like a, a sort of an answer to that question, you know? Um, and there's a, so there's a real reason behind, uh, you talked about this, you know, the, uh, the 
I, I make money buying and selling things, and a lot of those things are Nazi items. And by the way, none of my customers, I mean, like I've had like one or two people in my life, I'm like, I'm not going to do business with you again. You're weird. You know, these are doctors, lawyers, uh, you know, salespeople, uh, business executives, uh, you know, teachers, and they're interested for the same reason I'm interested. Uh, and so that's it. So Craig, help me to understand, I've heard the saying over and over again, but it's become more powerful being around you, that if we don't understand history, then we're, uh, we're in jeopardy of repeating it. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, why is history so important, oh, not right. only to the next generation, but why is it so important? Let's go, let's go in two parts. Number one, why is it so important to you? Number two, why is it so important that we understand our history and the things that have gone on? Because we're human beings, and it goes back to what I said. We're the same people we were in the 19th century and the 18th century. Just technology has changed. Our issues have changed, but our hearts have not. And for most people, history is like this black and white, dusty, two-dimensional place that you read about in history books. Yes, it makes an impact, okay? But by like holding an artifact in your hand, it makes history present tense, three-dimensional, and it does connect you. And if you don't believe me, let me put something cool in your hands. And again, this is sort of a hip pocket uh, appearance, so I have nothing. But you put something historic in someone's hands, it be- it's like a little time machine. It transforms them and brings them face-to-face with all the issues and all of the themes and the stuff I just talked about that a history book just doesn't. Um, but why is history important? Uh, yeah, Santiano is the guy who said, you know, if you don't learn from history, you're condemned to repeat it. Well, think of the opposite. A lot of evil people in the world, a lot of, you know, dictators and what, they try their best to disconnect the youth from history because history has lessons that we can learn, and it sounds like I'm trying to win a Miss America pageant, but I'm not. (laughs) And if you disconnect someone from history and make them ignorant of our past, you can tell them any lie you want, and they'll probably believe it. That's why history is important. Just look at today. Look at the news today, okay? Um, talk about Vladimir Putin. What is he doing right now? You know, he's doing the same thing that Hitler did, using the same reasons and the same justifications. What's next? I don't know. I hope you know. Hopefully, not World War Three. But the questions need to be asked. You know, and if you look at a lot of um, political, and I'm not going to get into politics, but um, if you look at a lot of political debates today, uh, same thing. Uh, a lot of these sides will want to disconnect you from the history because a lot of these same issues are not new. Nothing's really new in the world, okay? The technology's changed, but nothing much is new. And so that's why history is important. So what do you say to the, to the younger generation that says to you, you just don't understand when you say that we, we don't change? Yes, I've changed. We're not the same. You know, the people used to walk around, you know, and, and use maps or they used to walk around. <laughs> What's you know, a map? You know, all these <laughs> yeah. things. Like, they used to do that. You're just a boomer. You don't understand. You don't yeah. understand us today. And you said that we haven't changed. Like, and really, I mean, as, as human beings, our desires haven't changed. Everyone wants to feel important. They want to feel loved. They want to feel lifted up. Um, you know, these desires never change, but what do you say to that young kid? Because you've got a little one in Reese. Yeah. Like, how, how are you able to connect the dots that way and make history cool? Well, the first thing you got to do is listen to people. And when my son tells me you don't understand or you're being a doofus, I got to listen to him because maybe I am being a doofus or maybe I don't understand. And there's certain things I don't get, you know? Uh, and yet... I feel that as a parent, it is important for me to redirect him back to first principles. And um, 
you know, as you said earlier, or maybe I said it, um, you know, he's dealing with the same things in his heart that I dealt with and that my dad dealt with all the way back. And so first you got to listen. You got to listen to anybody. And guess what? I'm, remember I talked about no plan surviving first contact? My wife will tell me sometimes I'm a terrible listener. And I, I, I know that's true. But I, I want to be a good listener, and it's because I know how important it is to listen and to just observe. And people have their finger on the transmit button too much. Mm. Really important. You know, if you know about radio communications, you can't listen when you're transmitting. And there's certain, you know, transmissions that can be both ways, but you got to take your finger off the transmit button to hear and listen. And by hearing and listening, you get information, and then you can be best equipped to talk to my son, as you said, for example, or to talk to someone who's struggling with something or to speak about a political issue. You know, I rarely post on Facebook. The other day I put up a funny um, picture. Uh, I, I was struck by the fact that it was 66 years between the time that the Wright brothers took their first flight and we landed someone on the moon. 66 years. Blows my mind, okay? So here we are. I'm connecting myself to history. So I said, I put a picture of each one up. I found the Wright Brothers plane, and I found the, the lunar landing, and I put it on Facebook, and I said, 66 years, huh? Question mark. And, I, you know, I get three, 400 people, and, oh, that's great and stuff. But I got one guy goes, we never landed on the moon. And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> I know. And I didn't say anything because immediately they started going in on this guy and going, you're, you're a moron. You, you must be a Trump believer, and, you know, or you're this guy or that guy. And, uh, you know, and my comment is I said, hey, guys, Let's not criticize someone for having a minority opinion. Most people believe we landed on the moon. I think we really did. But, you know, the, uh, the, the civility is gone in our world, and that's become okay, and it's not okay. The Bible says it's not okay, and that, I think, is a root beginning to a lot of worser things that we can do. You know, if you talk bad, if you talk poorly to someone, the next thing you know, you're going to treat them badly. And if you treat them badly and you don't listen, the next thing you know, you know, I'm not saying it's, uh, oh, Holocaust, you know, but, but, but it, it's, it's, it's just wrong at, its, at the beginning, okay? So whether or not it leads to something, you nip it in the bud. And so, again, back to history. Uh, why is history important? Case in point. I'm thinking about it, but my whole little Facebook thing, you know? So help us to understand, because <clears throat> a lot of times a popular opinion at one point is uh, is accepted, right, by the masses, mm-hmm. and then you have a minority opinion that everyone says that they're crazy, and then that paradigm switches. Talk to us about a specific in your life that through history, you actually understood where you used to think, hey, this was the popular opinion. This is what it was. And I'll give you an example. So, I mean, it's just a quick example of, you know, when, when the explorers thought that the world was flat. Mm-hmm. And everyone, they were convinced. The popular opinion. If you said the world was round, you were absolutely nuts, crazy, off your rocker. Now that paradigm yeah. has switched. Yeah. Tell me about one of those things specifically in your life that because of the research of history, you actually adopted the minority opinion. Okay, here's one for you. But funny enough, you remember spontaneous generation? You know what that is? No. For for like 200 years, people thought that if you left meat out, okay, Okay. uh, worms would spontaneously generate out of the meat and turn into flies. Now we know today that's not what happens. But it took like 200 years. I mean, the best scientists in the world is like, yep, spontaneous generation. (laughs) That's how it works. Or ether. They thought ether was, uh, and by the way, you show me a science textbook that's old, it's like half wrong. 
you know, it's, it's really weird, you know? Science is a wonderful way to think, but th- it's true. All the old science textbooks, they're full of, full of mistakes. And like, you know, spontaneous generation or, um, and that's, that's history, or ether. Everybody thought that ether was like some substance that everything transmitted through. Well, how about this? You know, growing up, uh, let's talk about this one. I'll give you, I'm going to like come clean here. Evolution, okay? Um, yeah, random mutation, natural selection, Darwin. I grew up being told that was science. And right now, what I'm about to tell you is a minority opinion, but it's changing. Now, I'm a believer in intelligent design. I believe that as a science mind, if I look at the biological, the archaeological, rather the, uh, you know, all of the science-based evidences as you observe the world, the conclusion I draw from looking at that is that the best possible explanation, looking at like microbiology, okay, looking at the cell and DNA and literally how mathematically impossible it is when you stop to think about it. Don't, don't worry about religion. Don't worry about God. Just mathematically, is this possible given the length of the universe, which is for most people believing, you know, four, 14 billion years, can this happen? The answer is it's very unlikely, okay? And so that leads me to an inference that, there was a creator. Now, I happen to be a Christian, okay, but it's not the reason I'm a believer in intelligent design. So that's an example, you know. And to, to reach that, um, that, uh, that conclusion, you got to go back and look at Darwin and what he talked about. He thought the cell was like an amorphous blob of jelly, okay, and there was nothing in it. And so historically, it's, it's, it makes sense that he would look at the world, that he would look at the shape of beaks of finches on, you know, the Galapagos Island and say, well, look, you know, it's, it, it stands to reason, and we know this is true, that beak size changes as a result of, uh, of environment, that, uh, you know, you can grow sheep with longer fur if you naturally select to only breed the long-furred sheep. Um, and then he drew that conclusion, but he didn't know about the cell, okay? It was like a black, it's Darwin's black box. There's a great book about it. And so that's an example. But knowing the history of Darwin and what he thought and actually reading Origin of the Species helped me to have that view that I have, which is that science and observation leads me to the belief that there's an intelligent designer. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying who he is. I mean, I know who I believe he is, but I'm not going to draw a conclusion of who he is. Uh, you know, there's a lot of biologists who think it could be an alien, but there's an intelligent designer. And so that's my natural, that's, that's, that's my example of history and leading me to have a minority opinion. And like spontaneous generation, more and more scientists who are authentic and honest with themselves are starting to reach that conclusion. It's the dirty little secret in the scientific community. Alba, I mean, y- your podcast will like literally start lighting up with this freak <laughs> who's sitting here like denying evolution, which everybody knows is true. You know, and, and then, again, historically, you look at, um, and this is where history uh, informs my belief about this, you look at like uh, uh, propaganda. And that's, you know, propaganda that Nazis didn't invent it, that actually the Catholics invented it. Uh, but the Nazis really perfected propaganda. And um, there's a lot of propaganda behind evolutionary theory. Neo-Darwinism, they call it. So anyway, I'm, okay, enough of me being a, you know, a, 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 a denier or whatever you want to call it. But you asked a question, that's the answer. Absolutely. Well, and I, I love it because I, I love the fact of a lot of times, you know, a popular opinion, you know, five years from now is just like your fashion. You put something on and you think this, I'm it. I, yeah. I have the greatest look of all time. You look back at pictures of you in high school and you're like, why was I wearing that tuxedo <laughs> with tails? Mullet? You know really? what I'm saying? Yeah. Does the mullet really look good <laughs> at you? No, 
a bell bottom? Are you kidding me? How about a, how about a members only jacket? Yes. <laughs> Actually, my my daughter wants to wear them now, which I just is crazy. Bought, I just bought a members only jacket. My, you know, so again, good. Denise made fun of me, but I, it's in my closet. I you love I it. haven't worn it yet. I love it. You yeah. love it. So, Craig, uh, we're, when we're talking about history, let's talk about the history of Craig. Okay. okay. So you growing up, we already understood that you were uh, you were raised by a knife wielding uh, gun locking in the <laughs> drunk <closet>. neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but talk to us too about. Let's go to the history of Pawn Stars, right? Because I think a lot of times people think, oh, Craig came out the womb and he was destined for Pawn Stars. But I find that it's these little tiny breaks and these little, uh, you know, I, I say uh, to people all the time, I've said it to you before, that there's three components to life, right? Be kind, make a ton of friends, and stay really curious. If you do those things, magic happens. Um, talk to us about the, the little breaks because one of my buddies told me, he said, there's no big breaks in life, just a bunch of little ones that make up to a big one. And another friend of mine, his name is Eric, uh, Eric Compton and Eric, I called him and he had a business that profited in the first two weeks. Mm. And I was like, Whoa, that's so crazy. You got the golden touch. He said, no, Kelly, I just keep touching. And talk to us about those little breaks and how that, how, how that happened. Cause it didn't just poof. I'm on Pawn Stars 50 yeah. episodes. How did it start, and then where did it go? Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, you know, Pawn Stars is not how I define who I am as a human being. Um, it's the most popular of the things I've done. Uh, so I just wanted to, to get that out there. There's other TV shows that have, you know, one fiftieth of the audience that I actually am more proud of. But um, <laughs> to your point, and we'll talk about this another time, but to your point, um, you know, we are a work in progress. And it comes back, you talk about putting God first. You don't get saved and then all of a sudden, you're like a perfect human being, okay? We're usually here for most of our lives building ourselves up, changing ourselves to be a better, you know, be better human beings. And so that reality applies to pretty much anything. So if you're in a project and you're doing business, um, yeah, it's occasional that someone win lot- wins the lottery. You know, and yeah, that is a life-changing momentary. Oh, my gosh, now what am I going to do? I can do everything I want to do. Um, but that doesn't happen for most people, and it is baby steps, you don't go from, you know, okay, here's the, here's the funny one. You want to do push-ups? You want to do good at push-ups? Well, do more push-ups. That's how you get better at push-ups. <laughs> and you don't do it like a day it, it, next week. Okay, I should be doing 100 push-ups. No, no. You got to be consistent. Um, and you're going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to have all these, you know, apps designed to help me be consistent and build better habits. But they're just baby steps, you know? It's like I want to be a kinder person. Well, that's easy to say, but, you know, really only God can make me a kinder person with a kinder heart, but I can be kind. And if you get up in the morning and go, you know, this is just a small thing, but today I'm going to be kind to everybody I meet. I'm going to literally be intentional about, and I, I might screw everything else up, but, you know, I, or I bet this one, I said this the other day, I'm going to be up building. I'm going to build everybody up just for today. So I made sure that everybody I met, I said something not only just nice to them, but like, praised them even somebody who's being mean to me there there's or something there's something good about everybody and you want to point that out oh encourage that was my word word of the day i'm going to encourage and that's it and today i'm probably not being very encouraging but these are baby steps and so you know in my life back to my my career to talk about it um sort of like cheapens the like the the moment a little bit but like i wasn't looking to be on tv uh, now, it would be every business person's dream to get what is effectively over a million dollars a year or sometimes like a month. I mean, how much would it cost for you to buy a 30-second commercial on the History Channel? Why would we get <laughs> 10, 15 minutes a week? 
So with reruns, 30. I mean, so everybody, I mean, there, I didn't even know what Pawn Stars was. I mean, I knew what it was, but there was, in its heyday when I was on all the time, I couldn't walk through the airport without getting stopped like five times. And again, there was that opportunity to be humble and to invest in someone's lives, but, um, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> so organized. But, oh yeah, uh, Baby Steps. I didn't start off to be on television, despite the fact that that would be the pursuit of every business person. I want a TV show. I want a super podcast. I want, you know, all this thing. I want millions of eyeballs because if I get millions of eyeballs, I'll get thousands of customers. Well, I went to do a charity event because uh, I was, uh, I had a, a thing going on and, and, and I was invited to support a charity event. And while I was there, I met a really powerful guy uh, named Sandy. And um, I don't think he minds me saying who he was, Sandy Kleiman, a wonderful friend. He was a producer up in Hollywood, and and, and uh, I, I took the time. He he, he won an auction uh, or, or a raffle for uh, for a, for a gun, and that's what I was there. I donated a firearm uh, for the to, to fundraise for this project, and uh, you know it was his, he bought it for his son so his son could shoot it. And so with the very thing, next thing we did is we went out and shot the gun, and I really liked his kids. They were really young, nice young men, and and promising. And whether it was because I liked his sons or and he was, I was been no. Sandy was a, is a really great dynamic person. And he says, you've got a story to tell. I want you to be on TV. And I'm like, oh, uh, uh, you know, I've never been on TV before. And so he, he literally opened a bunch of doors in Hollywood for me where I was getting, like, representation from, like, big-time powerful entertainment attorneys. I walked right into, like, the number one talent agency, and I got a guy begging to sign me up. He only met me for 20 minutes. It was because Sandy saw something in me that no one else saw, and never could have opened those doors on my own. Guess what? None of that came to anything, but I was in Sandy's office one day because he wanted me to meet um, publicists, and he wasn't even there, and one of his assistants was sitting there with me, and I was meeting the publicist, and there were publicists interviewing to be, like, I'm like, wait, who's going to pay for this? You know, but uh, one of the publicists basically just uh, heard what I had to say and then went home and did a little research and said, hey, you know, uh, I know that there's a need on History Channel for, you know, a weapons expert. I'm, I'm, I'm glossing over a lot of the details. Okay, so it went from me just volunteering to do a charity event to getting noticed by this guy, another small little success, to uh, investing in his sons, because I thought they were cool, to following this man's lead to get on Pawn Stars. And then I was there for my first shoot, and... During a break, they're like, well, we've got some other gun to shoot with. Um, but, you, you know, can you do it? I'm like, of course I can do it. And they're like, well, don't you need to research? I'm like, well, not in this case. I know I know this next gun. And then after that second one, they're like, do you want a job? I'm like, okay. You know, so that's that little baby steps thing. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't looking to be on television. I wasn't looking for success in the military business. But I got it. I mean, like supercharged. Go back to that multi-millions of dollars a year in free advertising. You mm. just can't. That, that is like instant. You, only an idiot could not like profit off of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you really have to be stupid to screw that up. Um, so that's, that's the answer. It's a long answer. But, uh, you know, baby steps are important because that's the way we were designed to be built and to be improved. It's like you don't go from like you, you don't come out of the womb an 18-year-old. You don't. You can't even talk. You can't even like feed yourself. You, you know, and so you got. There's a lot of growing to do. In fact, I'm still growing. I'll probably. In fact, I know I'll be growing until the day I'm done. You know, we're still a work in progress. So 
Well, I think, I think what's so amazing about it uh, too, is you you talk about your, uh, what was your friend's name? Which one? Sandy. Sandy. You talk about Sandy, but you're Sandy to so many other people. And, uh, you know, we've had many talks after men's group and, um, you've just let me know about, you know, different people that you were trying to connect with different things to be able to open up opportunities. Um, a thing, an overarching thing that, that I've heard from you and that I see in your life is that if you seek joy, then everything, then the profit comes. But if you seek the profit, then it'll never add up to the joy, right? Absolutely. And I see this in you. Um, We've talked about it over and over again, and you've been a great example and a a huge, uh, you've given me a huge amount of wisdom in it. Talk to these two words, oil and water. Oh, yeah. You talk about oil and water all the time. I've got a gift for you that I'm not going to tell you about now, but it's like a physical reminder of that. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, you you say, this is Kelly, you try to mix oil and water, it's impossible. You can shake it up for 20 minutes, you know, and and you can get it all like, you know, what is it, uh, um, solid dressing. You know, it's going to separate. You can't mix it. And I want you to tell me what oil and water means because you're going to do a better job at it than me, but then I'm going to comment. So welcome to my podcast, Kelly. Tell me about, <laughs> tell me about oil and water. Well, my dad would always uh, tell me this. For those of you listening, you know who Pops was and um, well, who Pops is. And what he would say is that you can't mix God and, and the world. And if you try and do this, um, you can, like Craig was saying, you can shake it up, you can make it look pretty, uh, but at some point it's going to separate and, and God won't have anything to do with the world and the world can't have anything to do with God and you got to you got to choose and it was this was a tough one for me and that's why I lean on Craig a lot and you've given me a lot of wisdom in it and you've encouraged me giving me a lot of encouraging words and that's where you know and and helping me to realize that if you focus like you were talking about earlier if you focus on the right things for the right reasons then the right things turn out but if you focus on the wrong thing even if it's for the right reason the right thing won't turn out right and so most, help me with yeah, this. And so, and there's the, 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 the follow on that is you say, you know, you focus on the right things, the right things are going to turn out, but not necessarily by your definition. Super important. You know, it's like, okay, I'm just going to focus on the right things now so that I can be worth $10 million. And no, stop. <laughs> just forget about it. Or, well, I mean, like, everybody think in your mind right now of like your number one business goal or your personal goal, okay? And then. Then go, okay, well, I'm just going to do focus on the right things. I'm going to get all, you know, Kelly Zen here uh, and think about the right things and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I can have $10 million. No, you do that. It's like, it's exactly the opposite. You really do have to separate yourself yeah. from the target, from the end goal. And so all of them have to be in line, right? Because what, what you're saying is, is if you focus on the right things, right? Yes, yes. But you do them for the wrong reason. You can get into a, a challenge. And when what I love what you're saying too, Craig, is that not always the right thing. The, the thing that's right for you is not always the thing that you want. Absolutely. Right? And you've helped me with this wisdom and you've encouraged so much where it's like you've almost let me know. And I don't know if you, you realize this, but you'll tell me a lot of times, like, just back off, relax into it, and let God have it. Can you explain to the audience, because I understand when you tell me that, I'm like, okay, cool. I got you, Craig. But a lot of people out there are like, but Craig, I got a mortgage. But Craig, I got, uh, you know, I got to take care of my kids. You're just telling me to relax and to trust God and let him do this stuff. I mean, come on. Don't he need a lot of help? He's kind of busy. If you think I'm going to unpack that and tell you exactly how that works, I'm going to disappoint you. (laughs) I cannot. I really can't. But it's, you know, because it's God, okay? And it's like, you know, uh, there's one of my, one of my favorite YouTube videos is, uh, you know, how, how, how financial responsibility, and it's like, uh, save money, 
don't spend more than you have. You know, it's a, it's a comedy. And, and you and sent it to me. It's a, a yeah. Saturday Night Live. Oh, my gosh. Saturday Night Live Go, Google it. It's hysterical. And it's like Steve Martin. He said, but where do you get this saved money? And he goes, it's in my book. It's only one page long, you know. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's these are baby steps. You know, baby steps. Um, there's, okay, there are big, you try to fill a jar with, you got a bunch of rocks and you got to fill a jar. You can either start with the small things and then the, the small pebbles and then you're going to run out of space. You can't fill the big pebbles. And so this thinks, it sounds like I'm going to say the exact opposite, but I'm not. If you got a jar and you need to fill it with all these rocks, you do need to focus on the big rocks first because the small rocks will fill themselves in, in the space that's left. Yeah. But as there's a mystery here, because again, I can't explain this, um, just focus on the step in front of you. You got to just, you got to think about the goal, but that's not your target. And it's, that's why it's like so counterintuitive, you know, it's very difficult. I can't unpack it, but I know it works and it's not my idea. It's God. <laughs> you know, he says, seek ye first the kingdom and I'll give everything else to you. Yes. And it's again, it's like, okay, so God, that means I'm going to win the lottery. That means I'm going to have a Testarossa or whatever, you know. Whatever Testarossa. He sorry. just went old school. Oh, on. Yeah. You just went Miami Vice Members on Members only jacket. Yes. You know, no, you, know, you just went like, to history right there. Yeah, so there you go. Um, but it's like if you do focus on, on, on the day-to-day, you know, um, yeah, the little things that are important, the big things have a tendency to work out. So talk to us too, because we have a we have a little thing that that we based our whole men's group on. Um, oh, yeah. Well, there was two things, but yeah. I mean, the, the yeah. one of the foundational things was probably it wasn't the thing that I focused on, and mm. it wasn't the thing that I thought that I was going to bring to the table. I was like, I remember I got donuts. No one ate them the first time. Um, I was like, man, we got coffee, we got all this stuff. No one cared about any of that. There was one little thing that I didn't even think about. <laughs> That, that really has shifted, and we've started to talk about it, and it's something that as we move forward, I think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to evolve marriages, it's going to change business, um, and it's yeah. honestly, guys, when you hear this, this is so simple, but Craig, help me with it. Oh, yeah. First of all, the reason nobody ate the donuts is because most of us ourselves excluded in our small group, they're like, um, like you know. Olympic athletes, they get their arms are bigger <laughs> know, than my waist. Know. You know? Like Dan, oh my gosh. I don't think Dan has ever had a donut. I Dan, don't think, no. If you're listening, Dan, you need to have a donut, <laughs> no, brother. No, no, no. I think they have had donuts, but somehow, I mean, these guys, and that's just Protein it. donuts, they're eating protein. Well, just fast backwards there. It's, you know, they're fit because they practice fitness in their life. It's not like they join a gym and I'm going to be fit for a month. No, these guys live a lifestyle. Yeah, that's you know, true. And it's not you like, do too, man. You well, know, you I mean, know. I got good genes. There we um, go. Though, so, yeah, Kelly, you got us started on this thing called Love Letters. He goes, I'm going to challenge you to daily write a letter to your wife and build her up. Be positive. Tell Please me the her. first, the first, like when you, when, when I oh, first I said this, like Craig, Craig is military. Craig is like, you know, and so tell me the, the response, right? The, the knee jerk response. My right? knee jerk response was, first of all, I can't write it. Cause I can't, nobody can read my writing. I'll never do it. My wife will never read it. So I got to use my iPad. And second of all, I, so I sit down right after the small group. I'm going to write my first love letter. I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell my wife how important she is, how much I love her. And then literally I'm like, there needs to be an app for this. <laughs> and so I'm like, and so I'm like, let's find an app. There's got to be an app. And I can't find one. And I download all these apps while I'm sitting in Kelly's, like, uh, you know, in his salon. And, and there's not an app. And I'm like, Kelly, we need to build an app. <laughs> so that was what I thought. So tell us, the, tell us the concept of the love letters and why, why, yeah. why it's been so profound. Well, and tell us about some of the effects that it's had on you and your marriage. Well, there's a, there does not go a day go by 
Let's try that again. There's not a day that goes by that I can't find something to criticize my wife about or you or anybody else, okay? I can be a very negative person. Anybody can. I mean, you can find fault with anybody at any time because nothing's perfect, right? Well, I chose and I choose every time I write a love letter not to focus on that, but to focus on ways to build my relationship, mm. okay? Complaining doesn't build my relationship. You think it's going to, oh, this person's going to go, thank you very much for, for opening my eyes to your wisdom. No, they're going to, you know, you complain about something, they're just going to shut down, okay? So when I write a love letter to my wife, and it's not a I love you, it's just a, it's a loving attitude toward her expressed in words, um, and it takes different forms, and I'll tell you, Kelly called me on this. I'm so I, I start programmatically going, I've got to say this, 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 and this in every love letter, and he's like, no, maybe one day just tell her how, how attractive you think she is. Oh, that's, that's cool. Or, you know, tell her about a challenge that you helped her, to, that she helped you overcome, you know. And so there's, it, it takes a different flavor because every day is different, right? Well, the love letter helps me focus on the positive in her, okay? Um, God is responsible for changing her and sanctifying her and making her into a better human being. That's not my job. I can't do it. I shouldn't do it. Okay, but the love letter is powerful because it reoriented it reoriented my heart, and it blesses her. Obviously, you get a love letter. I mean, how many times when you're going to school? You know, you're, uh, and how many Valentines do you get in your Valentine's you know sock in elementary school? You want them, you know. You get a, a note from a girl that says, "I like you." It's awesome. It makes you feel great. Well, same reaction. You know, the person on the re- receiving end, they're going to be blessed by it. Okay, but it blesses the giver, just like charity. Okay. God doesn't need our, our money. God doesn't need our talents. He wants us to use them, okay? Mm. So that's what this is. This is. That's what this is all about. He doesn't need me to make my wife a better person, but he wants me to be charitable, and that's with my money. It's with my time, and in this case, it's with my words. So it's really transformed. Um, and again, I, I, I thought I'm going to write one every day. Well, then what do I do? I, maybe I'm good if I write two a week, you know? <laughs> so... Um, uh, it, it, it's again, it's a challenge to get a habit formed. Um, but it's funny enough, some of my love letters, then days I was not a happy camper. In other words, I was like, you know, here's, here's my list of everything you've done wrong in the past two days. You know, and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> shut up, Craig, stop thinking about, okay, there's a, there's a verse, take captive all of your thoughts to God. Mm. Okay. And I don't remember the verse, but it's, it's, it's so important. And it's like, I'm just not going to, I'm going to have the mental discipline to stop and start saying something positive. That's amazing. And, and what I found for all of you listening out there, um, if you, if you've been with me at an event, um, sometimes I'll speak about it. And, um, but this is where it started. So I, I reached in my bag and they were just, they were little ones. One is for my daughter and one is for my wife. And uh, some of you out there are like, well, you got a son too. And I'm just about to start my uh, one for my son. And um, the, it started with my daughter because I wanted her, you know, she was going through times as far as like, you know, being in sixth grade and uh, she went through the pandemic and, you know, all those things. And I wanted her to know that how much value she had from me as far as her dad. And so I started to write these letters. And what I would do is I'd write, you know, a letter every day. And then at the end of the week on Friday, I'd give her the notebook. She would read it or sometimes she wouldn't. And then she'd give it back to me and I'd write seven more. And what I find in this and what Craig was saying is, um, and what we want you to get from this is it's not so much about the person who you deliver the note to. It's about you. 
Mm. And it's amazing because your heart starts to change. Am I correct, Craig? Absolutely. Like you start to now, like, and this was the thing with my daughter. I said to her one day on the way home, I said, I'm proud of you, baby. And she turned to me and she said, why? And <laughs> I was stumped. And I was stumped. And she's like, you say that every day, dad. Are you just saying it because you want to say it? Or do you really mean it? And I'm like, you're, you should listen to your dad and not talk back to me. That's what <laughs> you should do. You, you're obviously, you haven't uh, read the, the verse, uh, don't spare, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child because I'm about to break out the rod on you. But what happened was is I had to get specific. And this mm. is how we, you know, for those of you who knew our business uh, early on um, or, you know, in years past, we built our business on being specific, giving specific compliments because generalized uh, compliments don't mean anything to your wife, don't mean anything to your kids, and don't mean anything to the people around you. But once you start getting specific, then you have to look for those great things because I know in the morning I have to write this letter and it has to be specific because if not, my wife's going to, my wife's gangster. She's going to call me on it. She's She's going to be like, she's going to see right through. She's going to be like, what? So let's, let's, uh, you know, so make sure when you are writing, make sure it's who you are, right? In your language. And Craig and I talked about this and that it's very, very, very specific. And it could be two lines. Hey, thank you for, uh, you know, drying the dishes yesterday when I washed them. I could tell you this will transform your marriage. I promise you. Craig, let's move right into this because we were talking about specificity yeah. or specificity. I don't know. How, what? Specificity? I don't know. Specification? Maybe yeah. we can look that up Specificity. Later. Let's say we're specificity. specificity. We're going to talk about world. specificity. Yeah. We're talking about being specific. How has, because I remember this. Remember when we, we started in, in our group and we started getting specific on prayer. How mm-hmm. has that affected you in your life? Well, back to the specific again, I want to say something. It's like you've got to be authentic and say real things like you said because it's like... Um, uh, you know, it's not tell them about okay, the wait, system. Tell them about the system will, too. But it's just not charitable to call a fat person thin. It's just it's dishonest. It's not. But you know, like I remember, I had a, I have a relative who who began to lose a lot of weight through a lot of hard work and determination, and she's a young girl. And everyone was like, "Oh, you look so good. Oh, you look so great." And I wrote on Facebook. I said, "I'm proud of you for doing something that most people can't do. Good for you. I don't care how you look." And she wow. contacted. She she said. That was the best thing anybody's ever said to me. And why? It was honest. It's what I thought. So anyway, back to your question. Yeah. Uh, specifics. You want to talk about love letters? I mean, talk about specifics. Talk about those kind of things. And like I said, yeah. I want you to know we're working, uh, Craig and I are working on yep. the app right now. Yep. So it's called Love Letters. And uh, this thing is going to transfer into not only your wife, but your kids. And then guess what's going to happen? Mm. Imagine all you bosses out there. Oh. <laughs> Who could write a love letter, not a, hey, goo goo gaga, but a love letter to your team and that they knew how much you appreciate them. That's coming. And and it's not, it's not like a a doorway to a like hundred thousand page blog. It's not designed for that. It's designed for small relationships. And it's like bosses, forget that, employees. Boss, I'm going to start writing you a love letter. Here's how you, here, you know, I want you to start reading How it. awesome are you or what yeah. you did? Or this you is know? the organization. Build the organization up. And, and you know what? If they subscribe or they agree to read it, well, you can say what you want because they said they were going to look. It's it their choice. Wow. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's I, transformative. It's like, yeah. But I will also want to encourage you, like with this right here, you guys can see it there in the light there. Um, we had the journals. And these are honestly, and I'll show you my handwriting because it's really, really bad. Um, this not as bad here, as uh, let's see if I can get it in the light. I don't even know if it's I not can. as bad as my handwriting. You can see the chicken scratch, kind Wait, of. Wait, show it to me. 
Yeah, that's that's chicken scratch. That's but chicken it's so scratch. Much, you, you should be a doctor. So, like you guys can see it as I uh, fold it. Let's see. Uh, yeah, there, there it go. is. There, there we go. Is. So you can see it and make sure that it's signature to who you are, and and they can be you know little notebooks. But I tell you, this little notebook transformed my relationship with my daughter, transformed my relationship with my wife. Um, it could transform so many things. So it's let's amazing. get into let's get into the specific side. Not only in the love letters, but let's talk about prayer specifically, and uh, you know, and how that started to transform because you remember when we first started our group and we were talking about praying specific it was it was hard at first and then we were like no we i mean we want like what do you want like yeah. what do you want pray for that thing yeah, specifically it's like, it's like, talk to us about like that normal when and you say give me a prayer pray for my family I'm like what what you know uh my neighbor's friend is like wait what you know uh, or how about this um um make me a more kind person it's like, how do, yes, God can do all of those things, and God can see everything at once all the time. But I think part of, and he doesn't need us to ask in order to answer. I and mean, God does stuff we never even ask for. Uh, someone said to me the other day, you don't know how many times God has saved your life. I'm like, really? yeah, that's really profound. If you, you're going to get to heaven, he's going to let you see that. And you're going to you were like there every second doing stuff that I didn't even know about. And I hope I get that perspective. I don't, you know, but, you know, being specific, you know, like there was, remember, uh, I was telling you, I want my son to, to hit a baseball. He's first season in baseball. And this is a great example because it didn't come true. Whole season went by. He, he's a great runner uh, and he knows how to judge a ball versus a, you know, good shot. And I'm not a sports person. So, you know, I got a seat on the 50 yard line for the baseball. <laughs> I'm good. But, but literally my prayer to these guys is, and it would do it every game. I'd send out a message. He's up to bat. Pray that he hits. I just want him to hit and feel what that's like. And guess what? It never happened. I'm still blessed. But I was specific. I was specific. And then slowly it transformed into just like, you know, I want my son to a lot of other things. But, um, but you know, that was the specificity. I mean, Kelly prayed for, this is my best one, he wants spokes or wants wheels on his car. You know, I'm like, that's so selfish. I'm like, well, no, no. It's like, you know, imagine a way that God's going to answer that prayer or, or, or inform Kelly's thoughts about that, you know, because God will respond when you ask. And again, it might not be the way you expect, but it's definitely there's going to be a response. So, Craig, tell us uh, with, the, with the history side of it, I want to shift gears back into it, is tell, tell us about something that... Um, if people knew the history of it, they wouldn't revere the thing the way that they do in today's society. Oh, that's a good one because, you know, and again, I've, all of the thoughts that I immediately think are all very political in nature. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, ha- I, I have one. I have yeah, one give quickly. Me, give me no, one. just an example, right? So someone, uh, a Christmas tree, okay? Yeah. A Christmas tree okay. was a pagan god. Yeah. And it was worshiping that pagan God. Now, today, my kids are not worshiping a pagan God. They love a Christmas tree. It smells good. And we decorate it. But to know the history of it, I don't know. If I, if I was locked in and I was teaching my kids the history of it and I was locked into that, there, I don't know that I'd have a Christmas tree in my house. Yeah, well, here's one for you. How many of you guys have a Volkswagen? Uh, I loved them. Well, it's German for Volkswagen, which is the people's car. Okay. Guess who invented the Volkswagen? The Nazis. People don't know that, but it's true, okay? In the 30s, they decided that they were going to put a car in every family, and they were going to build, the, and they, by the way, the, the Nazis built, and my wife jokes, me, everything I talk about has a tie back to the Nazis, but yes, remember I told you earlier, it's one of the reasons I find the period so interesting. 
they invented, and you can look this up, they invented a car that was designed to be owned by, I mean, back then, think about it. You had to be rich to own a car, okay? The, the Germans, the Nazis thought that they were going to change that, and they built massive uh, expressway systems, the Autobahn, so they were preparing for every person to have a Volkswagen. And they actually had ability for workers to make a monthly payment in a payment book toward their Volkswagen, which as soon as the war was over, they'd get. Ask me how many were delivered? Zero, okay? They had the thousand-year Reich, which lasted 12 years, okay? Thank God they failed. But the Volkswagen persisted and was eventually picked up in the 50s and was sold as a commercial vehicle. So uh, you think back about that, and it looked very similar to the Volkswagen bug that they started making. So there's a little history behind a Volkswagen for you. So when you, you didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, it's, but when you start, when you start focusing on your joy, you start focusing on your purpose, which you talked about earlier. You focus mm-hmm. on your uh, purpose. Um, you focus on your joy. Then the profit comes. But talk to us about when the profit comes, though, because this is where a lot of people go off the rails. How have you been able to stay on the rails, even though the success worldly has been able to come? You know, God does not deliver the, when you say profit, and it's not money profit all the time, it's, it, 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 there's all sorts of ways that you can, we call them blessings, okay? Um, you know, it's, it's just as easy to be disconnected from God during blessings. In fact, I find the hard parts in life are when you're like, you know, oh my God, be with me. You know, it's when you're successful, you tend to take it as a compliment to your own strength, which it's really not. I mean, God gives us talents, and yes, we, you know, uh, we, we, we have the ability to work and it's very, um, it's a little bit, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Oh, you know, everything's God's talent. And it's like, you know, but to, to, to a degree, it's true. So, but back to the, back to what you asked. God delivers blessings in his timing. And the reason he does that is because a lot of times, you know, give me a billion dollars when I'm not ready for it. Watch how quickly my life just devolves, okay? <laughs> um, and so, you know, you say, what happens when the blessing comes? My hope is that if you are focusing on the right things, when the blessing comes, you'll know what to do with them. Wow. And it won't affect you. You know, me as, let me tell you a story. When I was a second lieutenant, when I was a first lieutenant in the Marine Corps, um, uh, you know, I lived out in town, and I, I, I used one of the Marine Corps laundry. Um, uh, well, I, I used a... a, a, a dryer in the barracks because I actually didn't have one at home. I couldn't afford one. And I went home that night and I put a sign on the washer. It said, do not use because I left my laundry in there. Well, I came back when my sergeants was literally livid. And he's, I mean, this was, he said, can I talk to you? And I took me, he literally ripped me a new one. He's like, you don't understand. None of the Marines could use that machine because you put that sign on there and they're not going to take the sign off. And, you know, um, I was like really hard for me to get to. I mean, it, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And it was all I could do to accept the crit. Because he was 100% right, but I couldn't receive it. Okay? And so I wasn't ready to, to receive that. And, and, but now it's like, you know, so profound. It makes me sort of stop. You are given wisdoms. You're given money. Uh, you're given... Uh, success, at a time you can take it, you know, uh, and I wish, you know, again, I, I talk about wise head, on, wise head on young shoulders, very difficult um, to, to find, um, and again, I'm a little, I'm, I'm walking around this a little bit, because I really got caught up in that story about my sergeant named Gonzalez, and I'll never forget it, um, so it sort of took me away from the point, I was going to make something really profound. I was going to say something really cool and like a perfect response, but just think about that moment. I wasn't, I was just, I was a dummy. 
help us to uh, with this, uh, Craig, because um, I had something really profound. To say well, everything that you yeah. said was profound, <laughs> man. Everything in the yeah. last, everything in the last hour. I'll, I'll think of it when I'm going home today. <laughs> everybody has the uh, the nuggets uh, that they're taking away from Craig, which I think is incredible, man. And so, talk to us. I want to. I want to. Uh, uh, go into the subject about marriage because mm. um, I think a lot of times when a person, you know, and when I say success, I always, I always make sure that people understand what I mean by success. And and my brother was very big on me with this. And uh, success had nothing to do with money. It had nothing to do with things. It had all to do with doing exactly what you were purposed to do, like your unique design, right? right. And that's why, Craig, I think you're successful. It's not because of the you being on TV or you doing all the things. It's because Craig is powerful because he knows who brings his power. He's vulnerable because he knows that someone else is more powerful than him, which is the God that he serves. When we're in these kind of realms, right, I think that marriage throws a wrench in all of our systematic and all of our success-driven and all of our accomplishments. Marriage puts us in a place where it really exposes us and we really truly have to be present. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It really is. Really, I've done a lot of hard things. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do because it really exposes you and makes you vulnerable in ways that no human being, as much as you say you want it, we don't. So how is it, I mean, talk to us too about, because I think a lot of uh, guys... Uh, you know, go into it and they're like, oh, well, you know, if, that, if my woman would just change this, 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 and that, then everything would be cool. But I find that what God is doing is not transforming our wives for us. He's transforming us. Yeah. A couple Can, of things. Yeah. Uh, I tell my wife regularly that she's the perfect person for me and she's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And she knows that. But what I mean by that is she's exactly the person that I need to be transformed. And I think God uses the peculiar and God-invented institution of marriage as a tool, as a foundational tool. It's the workroom for life. It's like what my wife calls it. It's the sanctification gym. It's where you go to be sanctified. And if (laughs) if you connect to that and you accept it, it's like, okay, how many of you go to the gym and you complain when the weights are too heavy? You don't. You, you go there to lift heavy weights, okay? But when you're in a marriage and the weights get heavy, what do you do? You complain. You get upset. You get, you, your pride comes in. Your selfishness comes in. Instead of going, hmm, these are heavy weights, and they're going to make me stronger. And, but, and it's not making me stronger for me. It's making me stronger to be a better human being so that I can have more impact in life. And, you know, I want to stop and say, um, I, this is like, Tough to talk about, but I, I, have a, I was married twice. This is my second and last marriage, and I failed as a husband. Um, it's the single biggest mistake I ever made in my life. And now, I'm not saying it because I'm not happy, but, you know, I'm, I, was div- I was divorced after almost 20 years, and uh, I was because I gave up, because I didn't lean in to the difficulty and the hardness. And I'm not saying hardness is like, oh, it's just all of it. There's joy to be found in marriage beyond measure and comprehension. Don't get me wrong, okay? But it's on the other side. It's not on the other side. It's daily. You find daily joy. So I'm correcting myself a little bit. So as I stand here or sit here and talk about marriage, you have to understand my credentials are a failed marriage and now what I call a hard marriage. It's a blessing to me to be married to my wife and I derive great joy from her. And the only person who gets in the way of that is me. Mm. 
What, and I think it's great. This is what I was talking about earlier, and you display it, man. I mean, you have the strength and the knowledge and, and wisdom, and then you have the vulnerability, man. And I think that that's what makes you a real human being. I think that's what attracts people to you. I, I think that it's, you know, it, it's so admirable. And it's funny that you say what you said. I'm not laughing at you not, uh, you, know, you know, going through the, the – because I was married uh, before too. Yep. And uh, and I failed in, in that marriage. I failed really bad. Um and, but it it's one of those things where that's what I complimented you today before any of the listeners, any of you out there listening, um, before any of you heard any of this, this is what we were talking about in private. So yeah. talk to us too about, let's talk about men and um, some of the things, give us a couple actionable items that some men can do that would be really transformative for them. And I would say, and I want to, I want to start the first one off, like get in a men's group, like Absolutely. get in a men's group. Um, this, and you might argue with this with me, uh, Craig, but Let's any see. men's group, any men's group, just to start off, because a lot of people are like, I'm looking for the perfect one. And yeah. how's it going? No, just get into one. Yeah. Uh, there's a saying, uh, the perfect is the enemy of the good. If you search for perfection, you'll miss a lot of good. Mm. So he's right. Get into a men's group. And then yeah. transform. Hopefully it. it's not like a satanic men's group, yeah. you know, yeah, but yeah, like at the basic that. level, you're going to, you're, you know, you're going to get there. Uh, so yeah, don't, totally agree with you. So uh, talk to us about some, some actionable items that, that men can do because, um, you know, I, I want, I, for me, I always want to be a better father. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better brother. I want to be a better husband. Right. And so I want to grow in those areas. And what I've been finding is with all of you that I get a chance to spend time with, you know, like this morning to be able to have Chandler there, have Brian mm-hmm. there, have you there. I mean, it, it like it lifts me. I got energy, right? I got, I mean, it's just like power, you know, but what are some of the things that men out there can do right now today that can start to transform them in those areas? Yeah. Okay. So number one, you might not be able to get started on the love letters and you don't need an app. You don't need a fancy journal. Uh, they're great. Uh, just, if you just started by making a commitment to compliment your wife every day about something authentic, just once, you will be surprised at the transformation that that will bring. Just once. That's, that's easy. You know, I'm not going to, and I didn't know you were going to ask me this, but as, you, as I listen to you talk about love letters, just try it. Or if you've got a tough relationship with your boss or your son or your daughter or whatever, your dad or your mom, compliment them once and be authentic about it and you can even tell them that you're doing or don't uh so that's the first thing um if i can think of like one other thing um be accountable for your actions and that's like the the, the first one was a do it it's really easy did i do this today did i not do this yeah, there you go. That's that's God calling me that I should. I, I know, I, and I got. I, I even have it on do not disturb. Well, you owe, so. me, you owe me a case of beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what happens. Exactly. I'm going to do it on sleep no, too, um, and do not disturb. Yeah, I like and turn driving. Off. Um, so uh, I think that that so that's a that's a specific one, and I'd love to give you another specific one. But right now, something I'm struggling with, and that I can tell you is so important: take accountability for your actions. When you're wrong, don't make excuses, mm. and tell the person I was wrong. As, you know, don't say, well, okay, there's a big difference, by the way, between an explanation and an excuse, okay? I believe that exclamation explanations are important and useful because they help you figure out what went wrong and how to do things right again. But the time to give an explanation 
is not when you are not giving an excuse, okay? You don't replace one with the other because guess what? They sound exactly the same. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. And and timing on that, Craig, is massive. Absolutely timing. It's like, oh, say, it's like, uh, you know, why did you, uh, you know, why didn't you, why didn't you close the, I don't know, why did you take the trash out? I don't know because I was tired. Well, that might be a good explanation, you know. Sounds like Sounds like an excuse, yeah. And there's lots of mitigating circumstances in life. It's like, why weren't you on your game today? Well, I didn't go to sleep until 2 a.m. Um, I just lost my job. Um, their explanation, just don't give them. Take accountability, you know, or when you're rude to someone. I was rude to you. Yes, I believe objectively what you did to me was wrong. And it might be. You might be. What they did to you, they might have spoken to you harshly because they are impatient. And it's, guess what? It's usually not about you. It's about them. But... And this is something, again, I struggle with it, but take accountability. If you're sorry, if you've done something wrong, just apologize. Take responsibility for your actions in your daily life because you will also, just like the love note to your wife, you'll be, you'll be surprised by the transformation in your relationships. Well, my, I always give my pops wisdom, and my pops, <laughs> my pops was... I wish I knew him. Yeah, oh, he was, he was amazing. He, yeah. Well, he still is, but um, he would say... Boy, I don't need any of your excuses. And he said, every time that <laughs> every time that you say uh, like you say something and then you say, but I want you to imagine a big booty right in your face. Yeah, okay. And I was like, Dad, that is so grave. Like, why are you trying to tell me that the booty's in my face? He said, every time you say but, son, it's the exact like when oh, you yeah. when someone's saying, you know, uh, why'd you do this? Well, I did this, but and he's like booty in the face. So now I have this visual. From pop, thanks pops. Mm-hmm. That every time that I add a butt to it, then there's booty. You know what I'm saying? And, I like that. And it, it stopped things because I, I find that it it really takes the validation away from the apology. Like if 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 you apologize and then you say but and then you tell them what they did wrong, it takes away the apology in the first place. Or when you were saying like if your wife says why didn't you take out the trash, as opposed to you just saying. I apologize, I'll make it better next time, that you say, well, I did because of X, because of X, because of X, you just wipe away that whole thing and they're just going to hear the excuses. So, yeah. I, Craig, you're, you're a genius. Yeah, in the, well, I'm not. In the Marine Corps, they used to say uh, excuses are like, yes. they smell and everybody's got one. You know? <laughs> and so I heard that same thing. Your dad said it a little, little, little nicer. Yeah, um, yeah. But well, yeah, no, that, that, and you know, I didn't until just this very moment learn because I just said it, and it was like, that's really wise, that excuses and exclamations, I've always believed excuses and explanations are different, but I never really got it until just the second. Don't just give an explanation because it's better. Just don't give one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just thought about it. It's the same thing to the other person. Just apologize. Well, and I think that that transforms into, and for all of you out there in business too, um, if you're wanting to grow, you're wanting to grow another position, you're wanting to, you know, get promoted, whatever it is, literally listen to Craig and stop the excuses, stop the explanations, just make it better. Because the person that, say your boss, or if you are the boss, you don't care about why it happened. You care that it will be better in the future. And that, I tell you, will help you in leaps and bounds. And I had, I I dealt with so many young kids and they would sit and want to tell me for 20, 30 minutes why they did what they did. Not to say that I don't care who they are, what's what's going through their life. I'm just saying, as long as you're committed to making it better in any organization that's worth its salt, if you're committed to making it better, that's where the, that's where the magic will happen. And one other thing too, it's like in that, in that light if, and this is like, a, this is like, okay, this is me talking business now. Mm-hmm. If you give 
credit and take responsibility. If you just, whenever there's something good, give credit to someone else. Even if you did the whole thing, right? Give credit, but take accountability and responsibility. If wow. you do that, and I didn't say that. That was, I think it was either Eisenhower. It's one of the big World War II greats, and I don't remember who it is. Well, because you don't out. remember, you can just put my name at the That's end right. of That's right. Kelly Cardenas so, yes. said this, and yes. I remember <laughs> it, so I'm saying it back. It's, like, yeah. it's a quote now. Yeah, We're just right. going to quote it. We'll put it out on yeah. the website. But no, if you give credit and take responsibility and accountability, you know, so when things go wrong in your organization, it's your fault, no matter what. I think it's take, amazing. Take, take it. Just take it. And you know what? I've had people <laughs> take responsibility for stuff that I know I did. And you know what I do afterward? I'm like... I love you. Thank you for doing that. You know, <laughs> well, Craig, I think I think it's amazing, and and not only did I have I wanted to have you on the show for so long that you kept denying me. That's why I had to trick you today. You literally tricked me, and I'm so I happy did. you did. I tricked you today, and and but it was because it, it's ex- he's exactly in line. All you listeners out there, everyone who's been riding with us, all the the OGs and the the people who just are listening to this first for the first time, you realize that that why I want to bring. Uh, Craig on is because of his attitude. Like you see it. I mean, his attitude, whether you're just listening or if you're watching it on Spotify <laughs> or on YouTube, um, if you're watching it, you can see him and you can see this light and you can see this energy and you can see this attitude that he's bringing into stuff. Not that he's the perfect guy. He already said that, but just the fact that he's fallen in love with the exa- his circumstances right now. And you just watch magic happen around him. So I, I started the podcast because of people like you, iconic people like you, Craig, that I wanted to take and I wanted to show my kids Maddox and McKenna who's 10 and 13 years old I wanted to show them that anything in the world is possible anything as long as you had the right attitude and the right work ethic and so what advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna and if you could use both of their names it would be awesome okay gosh Matthew and McKenna Maddox. Maddox. Not Matthew. Matthew and Come Patri- on. Patricia. Matthew what? and Patricia. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Maddox and McKenna. Uncle yeah. Craig. Uncle Craig. I don't Never. even know of Uncle Craig. Hey, and for all of you out there listening, I used the reference. Like, Craig came to the men's group, and I was like, Craig. Oh, my and, gosh. And he didn't know what I was talking about. And I was saying, you know, I, I put up a, a Friday reference, which everyone out there listening, you should watch Friday. If you haven't watched it, you're not American. Um, but... I used that, and he was like, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, Craig, you got fired on your day off, Craig? I mean, I even got a Debo's uh, uh, bike rental shirt, which Craig doesn't even know what it is about. Everybody knows what coffee is. Yes. <laughs> okay, Craig. Okay. Craig. Okay. Maddox, not Matthew and Ma- Patricia. Maddox. Maddox. Maddox with a D. Maddox. Maddox and McKenna. Maddox and McKenna. Let's try it a couple times. Maddox. Maddox. McKenna. McKenna. Maddox and McKenna. Okay. You know, that's English for Maddox and McKenna. <laughs> so, okay, this is on a personal level. Hang out with your dad as much as you can. I mean, I know really hang out with your dad as much as you can. Um, and that's something I say about myself, too. I mean, I, you know what? That's just turned into something I'm going to say to every kid out there. Hang out with your dad and your mom. But you're, there's something special about dads. It's not just because I'm a dad. But... I know. If I was Maddox and McKenna, I would want to hang out with Kelly. I tell Kelly that all the time. I want to hang out with you more. Um, and uh, it comes back to the other thing. Baby steps in life take responsibility and accountability for your actions. Those are my, you know, just as much as they would apply to a CEO, they apply to Maddox and McKenna and Reese, my son. Yes. So, uh, Craig, uh, as we finish up today, why, why is it so important that you keep pouring out blessings onto people? Well, it's part of God's plan. I mean, God tells us to do that, and it's not only it's not because He needs us; it's because He wants us to be part of doing that. Um, and it's transformative. You know, they talk about being a giver. When you give, you stop holding on and you open your hand. 
It's that posture. It's part of the posture of growth. And it's part of being transformed. And if you don't have that posture of giving, whether it's time, we all have something to give. Time, money, words, gifts. You know, give somebody a ride in your car. Say something nice to the barista who nobody notices. You know, those little things. Um, It begins to posture your heart to do what? To love God first so you can love others best. And I did not make that up. I didn't make it up. You know, I, uh, our, uh, Pastor Jason said that, and he says it all the time at our church. And I've heard it before. You learn to love God and fall in love with God first, you will love others best. And that wow. charity, that opening, that giving, it's part of, that, it's part of the equation. Craig, you're, you're incredible, man. I mean, it's, it's been uh, beyond, beyond my expectation it's today. Fun. And I love it, the fact that I surprised you. Because oh, for yeah. those of you out there watching, <laughs> he had no idea. I said, sit down in the chair. Um, we popped on. And he was telling me right before, he's like, oh, I would love to be on your podcast <laughs> whenever. And he said that to me, but we've never got a chance. I was like, I'm forcing you today. Can I, like, give you a five? Or is that, is that like, I appropriate? Or is that not? <laughs> what if I did that? Is that, like, breaking the third wall? Or am I, like, in another state? I don't know. What would happen if I just did it? Like, that's Look at this. This is camera tricks. That's camera tricks right there. I love it. I absolutely love it. So uh, for those of you out there listening, I want to thank you again. You, everyone out there listening, everyone out there watching, you guys have put us in the top 1% globally, and that's because of you. It's not because of me. It's not because of my cool guests. It's because of you, every single one of you out there, and every listen that you have, every download. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to share this with any man, any father, any wife, any kid that would get some value from Mr. Craig. And he, he acts like, you know, he's just Craig, but I mean, he's a celebrity all over the world, but I love it because he's a person and it doesn't matter about what he does. It's a matter matters about who he is. So now's the time you need to check out the sponsors, click the links, do all the things that you know that you need to do. Craig, I want to thank you again, my man, for being on the show. We're going to have you more and more. The next time, we're going to have some real artifacts in here. Oh, yeah. We have some real guns. We're going to show that. And I just want to thank you again, man. You're officially oh, man. off the hot seat. <laughs>